This week on The Fuqua Show, we hosted Bruna Leite, someone who has been all over the world. She comes from Brazil, but has lived everywhere from Australia to Utah. In this episode, she shares about Brazil, cultural differences, online dating, and making friends anywhere you go. Welcome to The Fuqua Show, for the stories, experiences, and insights of Team Fuqua. I'm your host, Thomas Chang, and today's guest is Bruna Leite. Welcome, Bruna. Thank you. Welcome to be here. So a brief introduction of Bruna. Bruna Leite is a second-year MBA student at Fuqua. Originally from Brazil, she did product and marketing in the food and beauty industries. At Fuqua, she's the co-president of LASA, the Latin American Student Association, and has also worked with some of today's most intriguing companies, including a summer internship at Tinder. How is that? Anything else you'd like to add to your intro? <laughs> no, I think that's perfect. Well, what are some things that people might not know about you? Well, that's interesting. I'm a pretty much open book, but I guess, first of all, even though I'm from Brazil, I was actually born in Portugal and I'm an Italian citizen. So it's something that not many people know. Did you grow up in Brazil your whole life? Yeah, I grew up in Brazil, but because of my dad's job, I pretty much grew up living in a lot of places and ended up like being born in Portugal and then, you know, moving to other countries and cities. And where else did you live? I lived in a lot of places in Brazil. I went to Australia. I went to a few, a few beautiful places. Okay. And how was that experience for you of moving around all the time? What, what did that do to, to you and who you are today? I think it impacted, uh, impacted my life and who I am a lot. But I think one of the good things is that I, I learned very easily and fast how to adapt and connect with people from different cultures, different languages around the world. Right, right. And what are some of those ways that, that you do that? I think today comes to me very naturally. It's something that, you know, my first exchange experience, for example, I was like only 14. Mm -hmm. I went by myself to Vancouver and I barely spoke English. So for me, I had to just, you know, start without really knowing how. And that, of course, impacted a lot my personality and gave me the confidence to, you know, start a conversation and be who I am today. Right. And of all the places that you lived, what was your favorite? Wow, that's a hard one. But I would say California. Uh -huh. So I had the chance to live in Santa Barbara for three months and now during my summer in L.A. Mm -hmm. And I think at least as a place that remind me a lot about Brazil, the people, the weather, the beach. So it's definitely a place that I would go back. And can you tell us about your childhood in Brazil specifically? Where in Brazil were you? You said all over. But what was your life like there? So most of my life I lived in Sao Paulo. Mm -hmm. That is a big city, just like New York. But my family's from a small town, two hours from Sao Paulo. So I kind of had both experiences of being a big city, but also in a very, very tiny town that everybody knows who you are and, you know, you know all your neighbors. So that was pretty much it. Besides the beach, of course. Of course. That every time we had the chance, we would go to the beach. And so now looking back, are you more of a big city person or the, the small town girl? I think I'm still a big city girl, yeah. even though I do appreciate the the comfort and, you know, the silence of a small town. Okay. And so you started your career in Brazil. I'm looking. 
right here at BRF. Yeah, that's and that's correct. a and that's a food company in Brazil. Exactly. And what got you into the food industry in the first place? Well, I'm definitely a foodie. <laughs> I love going to restaurants, trying new recipes. So when I first uh, graduated, I was like, okay, I want to do something that I'm passionate about and that I'm going to be excited about. And the foodie industry was one of my top choices. And then beauty as well for your next move? Yeah, beauty as well. I mean, it's not pre-planned, but mm -hmm. um, this opportunity came up. And I've always been super passionate about beauty, always looking at the trends. So when this opportunity came up, I was all in. And that was at the U.S. company called Unique. Yeah, that's a U.S. company that today I think they have like eight years of existence. And at that time, they're looking to expand into Brazil and they needed someone to be the first employee and start a company from scratch. Even though that would be a stretch for me, coming from a big company with, you know, all the infrastructure I needed, I love the challenge and I decided to try. And I'm very curious about some of the differences that you saw between U.S. working culture and Brazilian working culture. Yeah, it's pretty different. I could spend hours here telling <laughs> you, but I guess the main difference is that first, Brazil is a very social country and We take our jobs not only as a part of the, the life, but a, a gigantic, ginormous part of the life. Mm -hmm. So usually in Brazil, we work like long hours, not only in IBM consulting, but like in any industry of your choice. And we spend time at the company, not only working, but also building relationships and building friends for life. I have very, very good friends that... I'm sure are going to stay in my life forever and that I met at my work. Mm. So, you know, we have like long lunches, like happy hours and a lot of social activities around that. And working in the U.S. is not that people don't interact and don't network. Of course, they do. But it's more, I think it's more separated. Mm. You can go do your job and then you come back to your life where you have already your friends and all the other things you like to do. Right. So. And, and, and there's people who even tell you in the U.S. don't become too friendly with your coworkers sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. And in Brazil, for example, it's uh, pretty normal in some companies to see husbands and wives working in the same company or meeting your loved one in the company and like being totally acceptable and normal, natural to happen that during a work uh, environment. Interesting. And so what about when people in Brazil move from company to company? Let's say you left BRF, that first company, would you still remain friends with the BRF people after you were long gone? Yeah, oh. yeah, definitely. Huh. For sure. We still keep in contact and yeah, I have very good friends from BRF. That's interesting because I think that for the US, maybe there's some cultural things as well that the reason why you might not be friends during the time that you're at the company, but even after is that after you leave, you don't have that shared experience anymore. And so you can catch up, say, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? But you don't have those shared experiences and memories anymore. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it makes sense. Mm -hmm. But again, it's like how you see their relationship, right? right? I feel that, as I said, in Brazil, we really are not only building like co-workers but like really friends for life that are gonna invite for a wedding and are gonna you know go out during the weekends so it doesn't end in the in the work period time right so i read a book recently and i want to ask you about something that came up with brazil it was about netflix's culture it's called no rules rules and there was a funny story about a cultural misunderstanding where 
they brought in someone from Brazil to the California headquarters, and it was a full day of interviews. This person was meeting with person after person, and then they decided, okay, this person's probably tired. We'll give him a little bit of a, a lunch break, and basically just said, you have an hour of free time to, to chill, do with it what you want. And he was so upset and offended because he expected from his culture to be taken out to lunch and, and meet more people and, and have more of that social environment. Yeah, I can see totally yeah. that happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. lunch is a big uh, is a big thing for us. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in the U.S., maybe dinner is more like the time where mm. people arrive home and then they get together to talk. But in Brazil, lunch is like a big thing. You spend like an hour, sometimes two hours, having lunch and talking and having time together. So I totally see that happening. <laughs> well, I want to hear more about your your observations because you went from Brazil working at Unique to the Utah headquarters. Yes. Brazil to Utah. What was that like? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that especially me, I'm like very Brazilian. I'm super social. I like to hug people. I'm mm -hmm. loud. And going to Utah that is pretty conservative was a was a big stretch. Uh, especially because I was working for a company that didn't have many internationals. Most of people were locals. So at the beginning, I'm not going to lie, like was pretty hard for me. I had to watch the words I would use. You know, I couldn't like arrive and hug everyone or mm -hmm. all of that. And really like also outside of work, like making friends or even the dating space was so much different from what I was, I was used to. And I never thought that would be a challenge because, as I've mentioned to you before, I'm usually like making friends is one of my strengths. And I was like pretty challenged at that. And, and it's not that people there were unfriendly, right? Oh, no, not yeah. at all. People are super friendly. Mm. It's just the lifestyle and the culture and all of that is, is pretty different. But, you know, after some months, I, I found my crew and, and made very, very good friends. And what would you recommend to people who are in that situation or might be in that situation here at Fuqua of you're completely out of your comfort zone, you're in a new culture, you have no idea even what to say to people or how to act. What do you do? Yeah, wow, <laughs> that's a that's a hard one because for me it comes naturally. But mm -hmm. I think, you know, I've been in situations that was, as I said, like that was hard to find friends. And if you stay at home by yourself, that's not going to help. Right. That's I know for sure. Mm. So you have to, you know, take that a big breath and, and you know, leap of faith and, and go try to make friends or try to find people. Here in Fiqua, there's so many communities, Slack channels, right? Mm -hmm. Like for any type of passions and interests. So trying to join those communities, that probably is going to be easier to connect and Say more yes than no. Say more yes than no. Love it. What was the most surprising thing about your time in Utah? I think the most surprising thing is finding my way and, and, and finding my crew. As I mentioned to you, I thought it would be um, much easier. Also, the dating space was very, <laughs> very funny. Back in Brazil, I never used a dating app before. I didn't feel the need mm -hmm. because everybody was always going out and at bars and all of that. But Utah was, you know, a lot of times like cold, people wouldn't go out. 
My first year was in a small town, so hard to really like see people. Uh, so I started using the dating apps and I had some hilarious stories, like people trying to convert me to become Mormon <laughs> or yeah, just funny stories that, yeah. Well, speaking of dating apps, I know that we're, we're fast forwarding a little bit, but the internship at Tinder, I have so many questions. <laughs> I'm sure people listening have so many questions. What did you learn about modern dating apps during that summer? Okay. Again, I could spend hours here talking about that. So I was working for Tinder doing my internship in strategy. Mm -hmm. So we looked a lot at trends and competitors uh, and all of that. I think some of the trends that are interesting is that the, the most traditional and famous dating apps uh, have too many, too many people there. And sometimes people get like overwhelmed with all the swiping. So one of the trends that we have been seeing is the growth of niche apps. So nowadays you can find apps for anything you can imagine. It's very um, interest-based. So apps for people that are vegan or people that love yoga or people that have a dog. or Those are one of the trends, kind of trying to put together people that have common interests. So I think one of the big biggest challenge for the big ones is how can you be big but also small, right? How can you take advantage of having a ginormous uh, user base but also attend, help the people that are overwhelmed with all the, the swiping space. Right. Other things are, for example, the way the monetization works. So uh, you can pay, right? Like usually there's many ways to subscribe for dating apps. The way it was designed in most of apps, like there are exceptions, but most of apps was thinking about the man and not the woman. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a, a the man basically trying to, oh, how can people see me more, right? How can I increase my number of matches? And for you, woman usually is the opposite. Mm -hmm. They're bombarded with matches mm -hmm. and people liking them. Mm -hmm. So it's more, it's a, it's a different game. Huh. So that like, at least at Tinder, I think 90% of people that pay for subscriptions are, are men, not wow. women. Wow. So a lot of opportunities also over there on what are the the things that women actually value and, and how can we make that easier for them. Fascinating. So speaking of the cultural differences that we talked about earlier, did you see any cultural differences between how people in different countries use these apps? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that varies a lot. For example, I think in Brazil, people are, people are still a little... Dating apps are common right now, but it's not as common and as popular as it is in the US. Mm -hmm. So I feel like here people are more... You know, it's something like natural that is almost part of the culture. You wouldn't be shy or anything to mm. say you are in a dating app. While in Brazil, it's sometimes like, oh, if I say I'm in a dating app, may look like I'm desperate sure. or something. So this is one of the things. The concern with, oh, is this person real? Does the person like really look like? I guess it happens like all over. Mm -hmm. It's not only Brazil or US. <laughs> this concern always exists. But one thing, for example, that was beneficial from the pandemic is that people started doing more video calls mm -hmm. throughout the platform uh, to make sure they connected and they saw each other and they knew who they are. So that was very positive and it still reflects nowadays. 
do Brazilians need dating apps as much if, like you said earlier, people are more social, everyone's going out, meeting each other all the time? I guess it's not it's not a matter of need. Mm -hmm. I think here in the U.S., you know, if you are in a big city, you can you also have the opportunity to go to bars and, and all of that. But a lot of times what we see is that people stay in their own circles. They don't expand mm -hmm. their network. Mm -hmm. So that's what I believe is the big benefit from the dating app that you can meet people that you never thought you would connect with. So And just like you with going from Brazil to Utah, right? Exactly, exactly. Like for me, I don't have like a group of friends. I didn't have a group of friends yet. Mm -hmm. So uh was, you know, was super good for me to, to meet new people too. Awesome, awesome. For the single listeners, how to have a better profile or how to increase your chances? <laughs> well... Some basic things, you have to look at your profile and think, what is the story I want to tell and how do I facilitate people to match me? We, even though it's pretty basic, we still see a lot of people posting pictures that like with sunglasses, group pictures and um, or pictures that, you know, in front of the mirror, like what the person wants to see is who you really are. So they want to see your eyes or teeth your body, your your face, everything, like the appearance. Yes, they do. But they also want to see who you are, mm. like what you like to do, what are your hobbies? You know, do you have a dog? What do you like to eat? People want to know about you, right? So um, when we look at profiles, still there's so much opportunity. And of course, there's many other basic things such as have your profile verified, because catfishing is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and many others. Awesome, awesome. Well, backtracking a little bit to coming to Fuqua, working with LASA here. So you support the LASA community. And again, that's the Latin American Student Association. I think some people who aren't in the community might be a little bit familiar, but what, what's something that people might not know about LASA here? Wow. So I guess one thing people, everybody know is that Laza throw amazing parties and, and big ones. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk parties today, but there's much more than that. Mm -hmm. um, we have so many people. Uh, we have around 40 people that are part of Laza, mm -hmm. of like the cabinet is like the biggest diversity club. And we actually help a lot Latin Americans throughout the whole journey even before they enter Fuqua and then throughout all the process of entering Fuqua until the days here. So examples of some programs we have, we have one program called Mi Casa Tu Casa, that is my home, your home, the, the translation. And basically what we do is if any Latin America, uh, American wants to come to Fuqua to visit the campus, uh, they can stay in our house for free. We have another one called Land in Durham that we basically compile everything the person needs to know in order to move to Fuqua. And, you know, there's so many bureaucracy documents and things that they need to know. And we try to facilitate this process. Okay. Well, let's do some rapid fire questions, especially around Brazil. So, I'm going to ask you a question and just give me a quick answer and we'll just do a few of these. So favorite Brazilian food. Okay, I have many. <laughs> There's one called strogonoffi mm -hmm. that is uh, can be made with chicken or beef and it's just amazing. I love it. Okay. Favorite Brazilian musical artist. 
think Anita, Anita. Okay. She's super, super famous in Latin, in Latin American and starting to become famous in the U.S. too. If you haven't heard of her, you probably will in the lots of parties. Anita. Anita. Okay. Favorite Brazilian movie? Wow, Brazilian movie? Uh, Or movie in general. There's so many. Bopi. It's a very famous one that is happens in the favelas. Okay. And it's it's very intriguing and very interesting to understand the dynamics of the crime scene in Brazil and the favelas and the relationship between the police and the criminals and all of that. How do you spell it? B-O-P-E. 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 Okay. Favorite Brazilian football player? Oh, Neymar. <laughs> <laughs> easy, easy. Favorite Brazilian place to visit? There's a, well, Rio for sure is mm -hmm. my favorite city, but there's a place I want to visit, mm -hmm. is in my bucket list, is an island called Fernando de Noronha. It's just like perfect. Perfect. Just yeah. beautiful. Just super beautiful. A lot of nature is in the northeast of the country. Put in your list if you haven't. Brazil yet. track this year? <laughs> yes, Brazil track. I heard it's going to be amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bruna, for, for chatting with me today. Before we leave, I'd love to hear if you have any messages for people who've helped you get to where you are today. Yeah, definitely, especially to my family and friends that helped me throughout this journey. Thanks for, you know, always supporting me and believing in me. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Bruna. That's a wrap. <laughs>